we suffer with an identity crisis. Guys, can you guys identify with that? We suffer with an identity crisis. Like, there, there are so many things in this world fighting for our attention, telling us what we are, who we should be, what we should wear. I mean, just look at the headlines. Like, they're, they're mixing gender, all this stuff. I mean, we can go so far into that. But today, I just want to, like, probably be even barely scratch the surface, really, on... Um, I, I, want, I want us to leave today knowing a few different things about what God says about us today and who our identity is in Christ, okay? So, when we think about the word identity, what do you guys think that word kind of means? Anybody? Who we are? Anybody else? It's what we do, right? Yep, your name, that's a good one. That's good. That's good. So today, like I said, I want to talk about how God views our identity, how Jesus views our identity, because even though they're the same person, there's two different viewpoints that I want to kind of touch on about how God views us and about how Jesus views us, and how the way we worship ties into who we are as well. So in today's culture, we have two prominent uh, viewpoints about our identity and how it's viewed. The, one, uh, the first one is how the world views us. The second one is our own view about ourselves. So I actually have a video that I want to play real quick. It's a couple minutes long, but um, the, whole goal, the whole goal in it is uh, not to focus on oh, what they're wearing, what they're not wearing, or things like that. The whole, the whole uh, goal of this video is to just show you, like, man, this is, this is what the world is telling us that we should do and who it's almost forcing us to become and create us into something that we're really not. So... Rebecca thinks it's a regular day of shopping at her Houston grocery store, but little does she know, we rigged the entire store with secret cameras and we're planning a huge surprise with the help of her husband, Brandon, and friend, Cindy. Cindy, you nominated Rebecca, didn't you? Yes, I did. Why would you do a thing like that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Crazy. Well, Rebecca just recently lost her job. Huh. Well, I can tell you I would never, ever have enough confidence to show up in some of the outfits that she's shown up in at work. Like those pony print jeans and the yellow boots, that's for real. She really wears that stuff. So it doesn't translate for her that she can't wear what she loves to wear in a work environment? Right. And she's been told that a lot. Wow. Has she always dressed this way? Is this... Um, yeah, pretty much for as long as we've been together. She's dressed a little uh, on the wacky side. And you said, that's the woman that I want to marry. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So what does that say about me? Yeah. <laughs> she was kind of the shyer, quiet person in high school. And I think to a degree, she does enjoy the attention she gets from it. And she thinks that her clothes are the only way to get that kind I, of attention? I guess. Do you feel like it's positive attention that she's getting, or is it negative attention? I, I think people are making fun of her. That more than, you know, laughing with her. Right. right. The better the clothing, the more confidence she's going to have, the better time she'll have and not be so frustrated. Why does Rebecca think she's here today? She thinks she's just shopping with me to pick up a few items in here. Shopping? Our forte. So we're going to go hide behind the paper towels. Yeah. We're going to bust out and surprise her. <laughs> oh, it will so. definitely surprise her. Yeah. yeah right. Oh, yeah. All right, here's your groceries. Clinton, this bag is breaking. Yeah, and you put the water on top of the bread. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest nice of your day. day. Thank, Thank you. you. Shop with us again.
So that's just a little snippet of they, a show on TLC called What Not to Wear. <laughs> and as you can imagine, they, they uh, take ordinary people like us and they um, you know, go through wardrobe malfunctions and different things like that. And they give them the, the newest, latest styles and they do all these things. And they, they completely make them to be this perfect, presentable person in the eyes of the world. And it creates this false identity of, man, if, if I just dress like this, if I just look like this, then I'm going to be well-liked. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be um, well-liked among my peers. I'm going to get a raise. Oh, I, I, I'm going to be liked by my boss. Or I'm going to just, it's going to be so focused on me, 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 and what they think about me, then what does God really say about me? So there's actually also another not-so-popular uh, way to identify our identity is viewed, actually. It's the way the Bible views us. So brings me to my first point today. What does God say about our identity? If you will, turn with me in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to read that together, so I'll give you a few minutes here to get there. Give me an amen when you're there. Amen. All right. <laughs> Woo! Someone's there. <laughs> Genesis 1.26. Y'all ready? All right. It says, Then God said, I'm reading out of the New King James Version, by the way. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I don't know what your translation says, but that's what mine says. <laughs> Pretty close, right? So, man, right off the bat, God tells us that we are the physical image of himself. That's crazy. Like, but notice, our image. What do you think he was talking about when he said that? Our image. Right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. Interesting enough, he was actually talking to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, but he wasn't just talking to them when he said, in our image, he was with the angels, all of the heavenly hosts, everything that's created under heaven. He was saying, let us make man in our image. So right there, God is like, pretty much establishing who we are as a creation. We are the physical image of God. So uh, let's see here. In our image, it refers to some qualities like reason, personality, intellect, the capacity to relate to one another, um, to hear, to see, to speak. All these attributes are actually characteristics of God, and he chose to reproduce those in mankind. So that's why he is establishing that we are his physical image. Does that make sense? All right. So now that we kind of have a, uh, a basic idea of, even in just one scripture in Genesis, of God establishing who he says that we are in his image, did you know that he also created you for something great and for a specific purpose? Did you guys know that? <laughs> we oftentimes 
base our identity off of what we think we aren't good enough or if we just had the right this or the right that, if we just said the right things to the right people, then we would accomplish something. But that's not it. God did not create you for those things. He created you for a specific purpose. And the only way that we're going to find that specific purpose is if we know where our identity is rooted. It's in Him. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. You guys can turn there. Jeremiah 1.5. I'll read it first. God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It also can say, Before I formed you in the womb, I chose you. You were born, uh, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So has everybody kind of turned there? Okay, I'm going to do something, and we're going to exercise this scripture real quick. So where it says you, right after that, we're going to put, we're going to actually say this out loud, but we're going to put our own name. Because I, I, I found that when I speak out scripture and when I say something, it doesn't just register in my brain, but it also gets in my heart. And so when, when I say something, it, like, it, it almost translates to like, man, I believe this. And the more I say it, the more I believe it. So, and, that, and that can translate to anything. You're saying something negative, you say something positive about yourself, the more you say it, the more you become like that, right? So let's, let's do it here. So uh, just read with me. God says, before I formed you, Chris, in the womb, I knew you, Chris. Before you, Chris, were born, I set you apart. I appointed you, Chris, as a prophet to the nations. Now, I mean, God is prophetic, right? And he's given, and that's one of his actual gifts of the Spirit, is prophecy. And so he gives that to people freely. And um, while not everybody has that gift, at the same time, um, it could mean anything. You, you can put any gift there. You could put uh, as a prophet of the nations, or you can put uh, God has created you to be something specific, right? So before you were born, church, God did three things. Okay, three things. First, he chose you. Logan, he chose you. Mark, he chose you. D, he chose you. Greg, he chose you. He set you apart from everybody else. He set you apart. He gives you your own specific identity. And the last thing, he appointed you, which means he gave you the power and the authority to accomplish his will for your life. What is his will for your life, you ask? Well, you just got to ask him. Because <laughs> I can't tell you that, and you can't tell you that. Only he knows. <laughs> and it's our job as believers in Christ, and as we walk out this daily life with God, and we find out that God is so much bigger than our problems or our circumstances, and his love is so great for us, like, those things begin to resonate in our heart because we were created to worship and we were created to physically adore something, physically like just bow down to something. So when God wants to establish something, he always uses the number three. I don't know why that is, but that's what he chose. Every time I've seen in scripture where he's establishing something, he always uses three points or he uses three examples or he gives three signs or vice versa. Um, so our identity 
is established through God. Jeremiah 29:11 through 13 says this. I'm sure you guys all know this. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Woo! A hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, he says. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Your partial heart? Just a little bit? No, your whole heart. Everything about you seeks God, right? So, right here, um, I'm kind of going to inject a little bit of a personal story. Uh, so, the last church that I came from, I was an intern at. I served there for six years. I was an intern for three. And um, I was on staff, and I was up and coming to become a pastor and, and worship and just all these different things. And I began to allow the things that they were producing in me or they were leading me towards to allow my, uh, my identity to be shaped by what they thought of me and what they thought that my ministry should look like. And I began to focus on that so much so that I got to this place where I was stuck. And I said, God, like, how am I going to know who I really am in you and what you've created me for if I can't step outside of these four walls and go see what else is out there? And so it wasn't until some things started happening where, and it's crazy, it, God used a bad circumstance and bad choices, not on my part, but God used those circumstances and choices to get me outside of myself, to get me outside of the situation, and really see that, Chris, I've created you for something greater than what this is. You might have thought this was great at the time, and this is what I had for you at the time, but you're relying on yesterday's manna. I got something fresh for you. I got something bigger, greater, new for you. And the only way that you're going to experience that is if you step outside your comfort zone, is if you know who you are, you know that I created you. If you know your identity in Christ, you've got it all. Like you, There's nothing that no one can say, no one can do, nothing can separate you from my love and what I've got for you. Amen? Come on. So Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, or His handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He created us in advance. It almost ties into Genesis where he created us, right? But this is now through Christ. So initially we were created to do good works, right? But as you all know, sin, the knowledge of good and evil crept in and began to overtake and overthrow our ability to really see and really hear and believe what God says and thinks and knows about us. And so we begin to form our own opinions about who we are and all of a sudden the voice of God starts to kind of like get softer and softer. And eventually the world and the busyness and oh my gosh if you wear this and oh my gosh if you look like this crowds your thought process and then you start saying those things out loud and pretty soon where's God? What did God say about me? Well if I don't know what God said about or God says about me 
I got to look back to what God's already said about me. Amen? Whew, okay. So, like I said, initially we were created to do good works, but sin and the knowledge of good and evil, free will and choice to believe to do good or bad held us captive and kept us truly from seeing what we believe and what our real identity is in God. God sent Jesus to fulfill what we couldn't for us and once again to see ourselves the way God intended us to see ourselves, but through a new lens, and that lens is Jesus. Okay. That leads me to my next point, which is who we are in Christ. So you, might, you guys may think, well, God and Jesus, they're kind of the same person, right? They kind of have the same viewpoints and different things. Well, they do, but at the same time, for this purpose, um, I want to talk about how God establishes our identity. First, we are established in who we are. And then, now that sin and everything has crept in our lives, and the reason why he sent Jesus is to abolish all of those things, right? And to set us free from those false identities and those false ways of viewing ourselves, Christ has a completely different view of us. And now God is able to see us perfect through the eyes of Christ because we have been bought with a price. We have now, we, we have, uh, the old us has passed away, the new us is through Christ. We are, we are alive in Christ. Amen? So, back in the Old Testament, people's names were their identity. So, Leanne, your name was your identity back in Old Testament times. And what it meant was not what we think our name means today. Their name meant everything. And I mean everything. It meant who they were as a person, who their family was. It meant what they owned, how wealthy they were. It meant a whole completely different um, realm of things than what we think our name means today. Um, and so they identified with so many facets of life through their name. And when God changes their name in Scripture, you read all through Scripture in the Old Testament, when God changes your name, He changes your ability to do something because He already sees your future you. He, he already sees who you've been created to be. And he, he needs you to work on yourself to begin to realize that, hey, this is not me. I am this. I am this. I am, I am what God says about me. And then when he changes your name, your identity, right, you then are empowered to go and do what God's called you to do. So some examples of that are when God changed uh, the name of Abram to Abraham. Do you guys remember that story? Where Abraham was the father of many nations, and God's promise uh, to, through that was that Abram was going to bear a son. And through that line was going to be, you know, become David and Jesus, so on and so forth. And so, but Abram in, in, in himself was kind of, even though he was obedient to God in every way, um, he was, I feel like he was still afraid in some aspects because he was, he was so limited to what he knew back in his day and what he could see, what he could touch and feel. But God, when God says something where it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much bigger than who I am, that's how you know God wants to do something in your life. And so when Abraham got a hold of that, and he said, you know what, God, you have not failed me yet. 
you have, you have always been there for me, and I trust what you say is right, so I'm going to go for it. And that's when God blessed him with his inheritance. And that's why he's become the father of many nations. Jacob becoming Israel, for instance. You know, when Jacob wrestled God, and um, he was just in this turmoil, he, he changed his name because he knew that Jacob had such a greater purpose than what he was currently living in, or what he thought about himself. And so he established Jacob becoming Israel because he knew that Israel, through his promise, would fulfill what God wanted to do in Jacob's life. Does that make sense? So, when Jesus came to fulfill God's plan for us, he instituted a new identity through him for us. So, we first have to realize that our identity is first found in God. God establishes our identity. And second, Jesus, through the cross, has given us a new identity. The first thing is, we are a new creation, right? Right from the get-go. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Behold, the new has come. So right there, Jesus is already instituting that those things that we used to identify ourselves with, oh, man, I'm ugly, no, I'm this, or this, like, don't focus on those things anymore. I, I, I've crucified those things about my life to give you an example of who you should be and how you should be and how you should view yourself because I don't view you that way anymore. So neither should you. So many times, church, does the enemy like to get those little things and fester and fester and if he can just get us to believe one little deceit or one little off truth, even though if it has a little bit of truth in it, even if it's just slightly off, the enemy doesn't work in a powerful way, right? He works subtly. And if he can get you over time to begin to believe time and time again that you are this, that you are that, that if I say this, then I'll get this. If I do this, then I'll get that. He's one, church. And that's not the way it should be. We should know our identity in Christ. We should know who we are in God. And from there, the enemy is rendered powerless. Amen? The enemy is rendered powerless because when we get a hold of our true identity and what we know about ourselves, what the Bible says about us, what God has to say about us, there is nothing that anybody, not even the enemy, can say that can stop us. Amen? Second thing, we are no longer a slave to sin. Romans 6, 6 says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done with, or might be done away with, the Bible says. Then we should no longer be slave to sin. So like I, it almost ties into the same thing what I just talked about. Those old things, nope, they're gone because of what Jesus did for us. Next thing, we are God's children, and we are his heirs. When you think about an heir, what do you guys think about? There's an inheritance, right? God has an inheritance. He has a promise for us. And through Christ, once we've been reconciled to God through Christ, we have now become 
heirs seated at the right hand of God, just like Jesus is. We get to share in the glories of God because of what Jesus did for us. Amen? All right, let's see here. Moving on. (laughs) So let me just recap real quick here. So God says about our identity is we're established in it, right? We are created in his image. We're the physical image of God. So that's who we are physically. Then he's got a plan for us. And to, to know that plan, we got to first know who we are. We got to first know what we're about and what God's about. Then we can know what his plan is for us. Then secondly, uh, we got to know who we are in Christ. Because in this world, uh, Christ has given us a, mi- a mission. And that mission is to reflect God's love. That, that mission is to reflect the, lo- the love of Christ and to tell others that there is a completely different way than you've been living this whole time that I want to show you. That is the right way. The, the Bible says that I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father, but through who? Jesus. So, if we have Jesus living inside of us, church, and our identity is found in him, we mirror that same image. And so, if we're, you know, if we're going out and living like for lack of a better term, if we're going out and living like hell, right? Hell's going to be portrayed. Am I right? If we're living for God, if we're studying the Word, if we're worshiping with all of our guts, if we're, if we're just so entranced with and so in love with God, that is what's going to come through. And that's, that's going to come through in the way we speak, in the way we live, in the way we act, in the way we respond. Every situation, um, it's so important that we get that. And so the last thing I want to uh, say in the, this last point um, is how worship is tied to our identity. We've been learning over the past month and a half or so through sermons that Doug's been preaching, um, different facets of worship and different words, you know, different meanings for the word praise and applying those things to the way we worship in a congregational setting, right? Raising our hands, bowing or singing, shouting, things like that, right? So, another personal story here. So, I'm, I'm getting married as well <laughs> in July. Hallelujah. To this beautiful woman right here. Allison, if you want to stand up or wave, hello. <laughs> All right. Church, I love her so much. And if I'm not careful, my love for her can almost allow her to become an idol in my life. We worship what we love, right? And although I love her to death, I would do anything for her, that's the way we should love God. That's the way Christ loves us, right? So if he was willing to lay his life down for us, we should be in the same manner willing to do that for others as well, right? So why why am I saying all that? It says right in God's first commandment that thou shalt not worship any other idol or any other God before me, right? So anything, no matter if it's a spouse, no matter if it's your job, no matter if it's money, no matter if it's material things, right? Anything that you place before the love of God is an idol. And so the goal is to love Christ so much that those idols not even a thing anymore. 
right? So it's, it's pretty clear that God wants us to worship and love him first, right? We are his, we, we, he is our first love, so to speak. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible where it's, it's Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and be approved what God's will is, that his good and pleasing and perfect will. So think about that for a second. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind and to no longer be conformed to the ways of this world. We saw in that video just a little snippet of them saying, oh, well, if you look like this, we're going to help you like, boost your image and you, know, you may be liked better because you're going to dress this way or you might be you know, looked at a certain way or di- whatever it may be, right? That's the way the world views us, church. That is, that is so sad. Like, they put so much emphasis on self and so little emphasis on who we really are. We, they, they put up all these things and facades, and pretty soon we don't even know who we are because we're identifying with this or that. We have these masks, we have these facades, we have these different coats to put on, right? So to speak, clothing, whatever it may be. And it piles and piles and piles and piles and piles on and pretty soon, we've lost our identity. We've lost who we really are in Christ. So, with that, with that scripture being said, in other words, don't believe or settle for what the ways of the world say, or what they tell you to be. As we renew our mind and worship God daily, all those false identities, they begin to fall away, right? They begin to fall away like butter. <laughs> melt away. And guess what? The true us starts showing. We begin to start looking more and more like God intended us to look like, like himself. So if we get our focus on those things, if we get our focus off of those things, I mean, sorry, if we get our focus off of the things of this world and those different facets of who the world thinks we should be, and we focus more more on Christ by transforming our mind, renewing it daily, meditating on God's word, and actually knowing what God's word says about us, those identities, those false identities, they're going to fall away. You're not going to identify with them anymore because you're going to know who God says you are, and you're going to believe it. You can't just read it, but you also got to speak it out. You got to believe it. You got to believe what God says about you because if you don't, the enemy's got you. He's entrapped you. You know, and we do not, as believers, we do not want that to happen because if we do, we're powerless. We, we, can't, we can't fulfill what God has destined us to do. We can't be a light if we're entrapped, right? If, we, if, we're, if, we're, if we're tangled up in something, we can't be free to do what we're supposed to do, right? So by telling yourself these things, by knowing what God says about you and speaking it out and then believing the truths about what God says about you, church, that's how we're going to defeat the enemy. That's how we're going to, def- and that's how we're going to come back to not the knowledge of who we really are through God and through Christ. Amen? So let's see here. Um, lost my place. <laughs> here we go. Oh, yeah. Sorry, give me one second here. <laughs> right, so the more we love God 
And the more we worship God, the more we become like and reflect him, right? The more it keeps us consistent with who we really are. We worship what we become. Or we become what we worship. So, if you love money, the more you love money, the more you're, you're just going to be entrapped in that way of thinking, well, I just love money, so I'm going to become wealthy. I'm going to be so focused, so focused on becoming wealthy that nothing else matters. My family doesn't matter because I just need to make money, right? That's just one example. Lastly, what we choose to label as our identity can affect important decisions in our life. And we all eventually have to make important decisions, right? Church, you can't know your direction until you know who you really are. You can't know God's direction for your life until you know who he says you are. What that means is God has these plans for you. God has amazing things for you, and they're set aside for you, and all you have to do is set your mind on the things of Christ and let your mind be transformed and renewed by those things daily, mind you, daily, because every day we have something new trying to fight our, get our attention, right? So many things, wishy-washy, so many things that are just thrown at us, and, ah, oh, you know, we're inundated with media these days, right? Or so many things that can just cause our focus to be off, even just slightly. So we can't know our direction until we know who we really are, church. My challenge to you this week, and I'll end with this. This week, spend some time seeking God in prayer and worship. Meditate on some of the scriptures that I kind of said. And, um, or just look up even in, you know, word, different, different words that you, that you identify with. They're in there, church. They're, they're in there. They're in the Bible, and they're... they're is scripture after scripture on what God says about those things and how he identifies with them, how we should identify with them. So spend some time this week just meditating on those things and then not just reading it, but also speaking it out. Because if you don't speak it out and you just keep it in here, what does it do? It just stays in here, right? It's, all, it's, all, it's only knowledge until you, what, apply it. So I can... You know, Doug can preach, or I can preach, or whoever can preach a great sermon, but if you don't take something from it, and if you don't apply it, it's just a good sermon. It's just, it's just knowledge. It's just a book, you know, but if we apply it, that's why it says the, the Word of God is living, is active in our life if we only apply it. If we apply it. So, by applying it, I mean, like, speak those things. God says, I am a new creation, right? Christ says, I'm a new creation through Christ. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Um, I am not ugly. I am beautiful, right? Just things like that. You can write it on your mirror. You can write it in your car, whatever it may be. But speak those things over yourself, church, because all the enemy wants to do is thwart your mind with negativity. He wants to thwart your identity and make you think that you're something that you're really not. He wants to, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, right? And the way he does that is through your identity. If he if if he gets you to not if he gets you to not believe in who you are about in Christ, or if he gets you to if if he gets your view skewed from what God views about you, he 
got you. He's got you. So begin believing and speaking up the truth about what God thinks about you. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, even in worship, like those things that we, we listen to, um, like I said, we become what we worship. So it's even in the, like we touched on the other week, it's even, what, even in what we listen to. Like what sermon are you listening to on a daily basis? What, what form of entertainment has captured your imagination, has captured your attention so much so that you're beginning to identify with some of the principles that these songs and other people say about you? What are you identifying with today, church? So again, believe and speak it out the truth of what God thinks about you, and I promise it will change the way you see yourself, the way you see others, the way you see God, and the way you worship Him. Amen? Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful that our identity is found in you. We are so thankful, Jesus, that through you and through what you did on the cross, we're a new creation. The old things are gone. We get to have a new life. We get to enjoy a new a newness in and through you. We get to be reconciled to the Father once again, God. Our first love because of you. Lord, help us to understand who we really are, Father, because the enemy of our soul is out there roaming around like a, a lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he is not stopping at anything until he, until he gets us. And Father, we're not going to let that happen anymore because our identity is found in you not in the ways of the world, not in what we, not what they say, not what anybody else says. Our identity is found in you. So, Father, as we go today, may your word just sink into our hearts. Let it be nothing that I say, Lord, but let it be everything that you've said to penetrate our hearts, Father, to sink in, Lord, to really allow us to know who we are. Even as we go out throughout our week, Father, let us just find ourselves proclaiming the, those things about ourselves, God. Telling ourselves those things and believing, not just hearing, but believing those things, God. And let us see how the way it changes our view about ourselves. Let us see how it changes the view of how we think about others. And Lord, let it change the way we worship you because you are our first love and we, we were created to worship you, Father. So if we see ourselves whole, if we see ourselves complete in you, how much greater can we worship you, Father? Un with an unabandoned heart, with no strings attached, even with those things that we have held, held in for so long, God, those false identities, um, we can bring them to the table and we can leave them at your feet because we know who you are, because you, we know who we are in you. We love you and we trust you and we give this to you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> Love you guys and have a blessed week.